Ramp Church. Welcome to Ramp Church Online. And if you're just now joining us, um, not to worry, every service here at Ramp Church is available on demand. So you're welcome to go back, watch the worship. But you definitely will want to stick around for the next few minutes because we have an incredible rest of the morning for you. And we have none other than Mike Amini with us. And so, so glad you're with us, man. Thank you for taking the time. And we're in the middle of a season here at Ramp Church where um, we're really looking at the topic of racism. Um, uh, What a season globally, really. Uh, There was already this global event of of COVID-19 and the pandemic. And now on on really that moment, these these racial issues have come to the surface. And because we're, um, we're, we're in the middle of Manchester, one of the most diverse cities in the world, and Ramp Church, uh, of course, Mike, you're a part of our community here at Ramp Church, is a diverse community. It, it reflects, in many ways, the diversity of the city that surrounds us. And so, Stacy, because we're leaders and pastors um, in a diverse community, it, it would really be hypocritical of us not to address this topic head on in the middle of this moment. So we're spending this, the, really this season, we've had conversations, we've had prayer meetings, um, and now we're devoting some Sunday mornings to looking at how as a community are we meant to respond to this moment? How can we bring racial harmony? Um, yes, to the world around us, but first really t- to my own heart, to my own family, mm-hmm. and to my own church community. And that's where it all starts. And so I'm so excited um, for our, our Ramp Church community that's in Manchester. And then those of you that are a part of our community online to bring all of us into this conversation. So I think maybe a great place to start is I would love to tell you guys a bit about my friend Mike and why he's here. Um, we've known each other for a couple years, and our paths crossed because you, you started a charity called Our God-Given Mission that is focusing on bringing the gospel to university campuses uh, all over the UK. And so you kind of invited Stacy and I into that space, and that was incredible. But that's not the only thing you do. You also have um, a media network, a news network called Common Sense Network that is for millennials, by millennials, right? Did I get that right? Okay, good. Um, But Mike has also been featured, Financial Times, um, top 100 tech leaders, tech innovators in the UK. Uh, He writes for The Economist. But but you've also been featured, and I love this, you've been featured on a campaign, nationwide campaign called 56 Black Men. Um, And so you were one of those. What, what, What is that campaign about? Well, First and foremost, thank you for having me uh, here. It, it, is a, it is a blessing to be here to, to talk about these issues. Um, 56 Black Men was a campaign really about trying to, I guess, uh, shake the tables, if you like, and, and really uh, change how we think about black people in leadership, but black men who are innovators, uh, achieving in all sorts of different industries. Uh, so you had folks there who were lawyers, who were doctors, and the idea was to show people that you know, black men weren't necessarily people to be afraid of and to be scared of, but black men could achieve in all sorts of industries. Love it. And that's what the campaign did. That's terrific. Well, one of the reasons that when Stacy and I started to think, who, who do we need to invite into this conversation uh, to help lead us as a community? One of the reasons 
that you came to our mind. And the truth is there's many people in our community that could be in, in this room right now um, that Stacey and I could be talking to. And we've had conversations with you um, one-on-one and in Zoom calls. And those have been really helpful, inspiring, eye-opening, and challenging, and, and have been a part of what God's doing in our community in this season. But one of the things I love about, about you, Mike, is yes, your journey um, up to this point, you're, you're in so many different worlds, but even as the leader of a news network of a media company, you're, you're kind of in the middle in the, where all of these different aspects of culture converge. So you have a unique vantage point to see, yes, media, but politics, government, faith, religion, um, the arts and culture, current events. And you have this space where you're working with writers and, and, and people that are producing content. You, you kind of see the, the, the crossroads of all of those. And so, um, so we have a great time just in our relationship, but I would love to, uh, I, that's one of the reasons I think it's going to be a, a great time for all of us to hear your vantage point from that kind of crossroads. So maybe to get, get us started, why do you think this conversation is important? I mean, why, why should we even have this conversation uh, about race um, in in a faith-based community. Yeah. Well, because we can't ignore it. I'm black. <laughs> yeah. Let's burst yeah. that bubble. Yeah. I'm black. Um, and so, you know, this, it isn't, you know, for me, it isn't a topic. It isn't uh, some esoteric thing to discuss. It's my lived reality. Um, this is in many ways, I think, a, a family meeting because, of course, there's lots of places we can go to to talk about this. We can, we can you know, look at the news, as you said. We can take a look at uh, the visuals, videos, art. There's so much to discuss, but I, I think, Firstly, we're Christians. So this is in many ways a family meeting. Christians united in Christ discussing uh, uncomfortable topics that that have to be spoken about. Why should we talk about it? Well, because, um, you know, whether we start at the Old Testament, the First Testament or the Second, uh, uh, you know, God addresses uh, uh, injustice and as does Jesus. And and if we're going to be Christians, we're not solely to believe in God and call him our savior. He's also our Lord. And as Lord, we see how he acts, how he behaves, how he navigates, and we have to follow suit. So, so in Micah, we're told to, to, to do right unto people, to love justice, uh, to love mercy, and to be humble. And Jesus Christ then modeled that. Uh, uh, you know, in, in Hebrews, we learned that he was moved by, uh, by compa- or in Matthew 9, we learned that he was moved by compassion. In Hebrews, we learned that uh, he could be touched. So, so Jesus himself didn't exist in some kind of theological bubble, you know, uh, meditating in the stars. No, he, he was on the street talking to people, ministering to people, confronting difficult decisions. And as such, I think we have to do the same thing. It's, we, we are literally doing what Jesus did. Yeah, yeah. brilliant, incredible. So it, it, it's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that's impacted Stacy and I both through this season on, on a personal level, not just a leadership level, is hearing people's stories. And so I would love to know, and I think it'd be enlightening for all of us at Ramp Church, to hear when did the idea of racism come on your radar? Do you remember growing up kind of when that topic actually came to your mind or came into your life? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I spoke about this on a podcast recently, you know, because yeah, the question I asked uh, the person I was podcasting was, when did you realize you were black? Because, of course, this isn't something I taught myself. I didn't wake up and yeah, you know, yeah. start studying race and going, oh, how do I you know, deconstruction and intersection? That, that was none of my business. When I was young, when I was 
I don't know, six, seven, I wanted to be a dragon way more than I wanted to, you know, <laughs> that was really what I was focused on. I think the first time I really uh, remember thinking about race as a real thing was when, you know, my parents would say to me growing up, uh, you know, Mike, you know, because we came from Nigeria, we came here and, and they would say, Mike, you know, you've got to work harder than, than your white friend. I would go, well, no, it's just, that's just Jack. I mean, why do I have to work harder than him? So you say, yeah, you don't get it, but you need to work a lot harder than him. Into what? Uh, so you often change the the, the numbers, which sometimes you say twice as hard, three times as hard, four times as hard, whatever it is. And that's the first time I thought, okay, maybe something's different between me and Jack. You know, even though we go to the same school, we play the same game. Sometimes he's it. Sometimes I'm it. No, that's why I thought the difference ended. But she said there's more there. So that's the first time. You know, so so at that time it was only a creeping thing that mm, something might be different here. Now. The first time I had, I guess, systematic or systemic rather, um, uh, uh, racism, you might not call it, was when we were, again, playing in school. I would have been probably seven, eight at this time. Uh, a, 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 a white friend of mine called me uh, milk chocolate. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of figuring out what's happened. And I go, oh, you're, you're milky bar. And then we kind of laughed it off. But then he then went to tell a teacher, then then came back to me and said, that's racist. You cannot say that. They called our parents in um, and I got in trouble for it. He didn't get in trouble. I remember that clearly because I was thinking, well, he called me, whatever, but you know, we were kids and perhaps they didn't really ascertain he was lying, that he was saying the truth. But that's the first time I thought, hold on a minute, he said something, I said it back to him, you know, what, why is this a problem? And from that day on, of course, uh, then starts a trend of you know, watching out in the systems to see where else you can see it. You start learning. I've, I've since <laughs> looked at race extensively. Um, but, but that's when it started. You know, an innocent kid being told by his, his mum that you're not the same, yeah. and then looking around at systems that seem to compound and, and kind of yeah. you know, make true what, what she was saying, essentially. Yeah. It's, you know, it's wild. We've heard a story um, of somebody that's served in our kids' department at ramp church and um she she told us a person of color and she she told us that one of the kids and now this is in the church and said called her poo skin twice said that to her and you know we we think that you get in the church and everybody's everybody's family is um all of a sudden holy overnight when you say yes to Jesus and maybe if if that's what you think about the church is you know uh, i think i think it's more like at ramp church we're just a bunch of people that that know we need god and we're trying to 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 get closer to him but um it's amazing to see even even kids that there's something about our culture that's affected the way, so that, you know, obviously as kids, we're taught, we're taught these things, aren't we? What, what do you think about even, even that journey? You know, well, I just want to go back a bit and even yeah. comment on the question of why. Why are we talking about this? We're all one. You know, everything that we fight is in the spirit realm. And um, to me, just to bring, to bring people into my own personal journey with this topic, um, you know, I never considered myself a racist I never, you know, have never um, e been even aware, though, of the injustice that so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ have to live with every day. And I feel in many ways that this is a moment of cultural awakening where God is exposing an injustice that is grieving his heart. And you can read in Isaiah 1, you can read in Isaiah 58, where he is rebuking Israel and he's rebuking them because their relationship with him in prayer and fasting is solid, 
but they're oppressing workers and yeah. they're not doing justly. They're not living justly. And he says that their meetings, he can't stand them. And he's going to shut, he just wants to shut them down. And so this, this to me is where I have been just in the word, I feel like becoming awake. And, you know, we've just, we've been, we are still in a lockdown. And in many, in, in some ways, it's like, even though the church is still ministering and the gospel is still going out, the doors to the, sh the doors to the church have been shut. Yeah. Like the doors to the physical churches have been shut all over the world. And then this injustice comes up. I mean, it's, it's not that it's never, um, it's always been there, but it's like the, it's exposed. And I feel like this is a moment where we as Ramp Church, we have to respond rightly. And, you know, there's in Hebrews 12 where it talks about how our Father in Heaven, He disciplines those He loves. Mm -hmm. and, and Ramp Church has heard me talk about, and Joe, just about how we want to represent the Kingdom of Heaven and we want to have a culture of honor. And they've heard me talk about how there's felt love and there's felt safety and there's felt honor. And then there's just the idea of honor. And when you have, um, you know, Joe and I are in the very long process of adoption, of a, a, adopting a child. And we have to go through a lot of adoption training and talking about how to deal with people who've come from traumatized past. And they just say there's a big difference between you being able to say, I love you to somebody who's been hurt and that person actually being able to feel loved. Yeah. And I feel as pastors, as leaders, that really we have to lean into this because it's a call for us to do better at honoring, honoring each other, yeah. at representing the kingdom of God, at doing. We all know that faith without works is dead. And, and so there is a very practical side of our salvation that is worked out. That's what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. Your light shines before men and they glorify your father in heaven. He said, it's your good deeds. It's the things that you actually do that are good, that are the light in the darkness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I certainly can relate to people feeling, you know, in our white community, maybe even a bit blindsided by this. Well, you know, what's the issue? I'm not racist. I'm not, you know, this or that. And, and I just want to say, I've had to just wake up to, I really feel like this is an, a moment for us to repent as a nation, that an injustice is being revealed, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. And um, to, to give the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak before we just shut them down and go, oh, that's not me. You know, that's not me. Don't talk to me, but open up our hearts to receive. Um, Mike, I'm interested to know, what would you say to, you know, and I know we've hit around this subject, but what would you say to the white people who are just saying, well, I'm not a racist. I didn't, I haven't done a racist act. I, I don't condone anything that's going on. You know, I'm certainly not applauding any of the trauma that's happening. Well, man, that's just powerful and beautiful. I wish I could frame that moment um, there because you, you said so much truth. Um, you know, it, it should be said, and I think we, we're kind of a, the assumptions on the table. I should make it clear that you know I, I am not a spokesperson for Black people. I think I think it should be there. So anyone who's watching, uh, who's thinking, that's not how how I would approach it. You know, that's okay. Yeah. That we, we're allowed to be diverse, right? Yes. And we're allowed to have different opinions. Um, the truth of the matter is, the, the way I see racism, I, th I think we've got to do a couple of things to change how we talk about it. It's often seen as like some sort of you know disease one's diagnosed with, and it's and and in most cases it's terminal. 
you know, you're racist and that's that. And if you look at social media or you look at the cancel culture that's pervasive in, in, in the way you, uh, kind of in popular discourse, once you're branded a racist, you're then meant to shut the door and never exist again. And, and that's pretty much it. But you see, if you're going to look at things through gospel lenses, that's not how God works with us. God doesn't, d- d- doesn't diagnose an issue and goes, well, then you're condemned to hell. Off you go. No, no. He opens the door and says, well, let, let me now work with you. Let me, let me train you. Let me learn you. And here, what we're talking about is the difference between justification and sanctification. You see, yeah. if we're going to take racism seriously, we've got to pluck it into the basket of every other sin that, that comes from carnality, that comes from prejudice, that comes from all... And then people have to open themselves up to a sanctifying process. So if I'm speaking to white people directly, and I've been part of all these different discussions over Zoom the past few days, and people are saying, well, you know, what books should I read? And, and once I read that book, I guess I'll be okay. No, it's, there's no single act you do that absolves you of this carnal part of you that thinks it's better than other people, mm-hmm. that thinks it deserves things more than other people. It's a continual process, a commitment to continually improving, mm-hmm. being washed by the water of the word. It's about submitting yourself to a process that Jesus started when he died. Yes, you are justified, but then there's now a process you must go through where you must be sanctified. And what people are doing is uh, uh, almost saying they've finished that process before, you know, halfway through it. So I go, I'm sanctified already. So I go, no, 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 you're still being sanctified. There are still things you've got to work out, things you've got to put down. I mean, it, it's a pro, the, the notion that you would read a book about black people and that would somehow absolve you or, or you give money to charity and that somehow, no, it's a, you've got to commit long-term to the work. You know, I, I, I don't want to go around saying this, is, this person's racist. You know, someone said it uh, the, uh, the other day, like, you know, treat racism like COVID, right? Yeah, Assume yeah. you have it, right? Yeah. Assume yeah. you have it and, and begin practicing, yeah. you know, social distancing. I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far. But yeah. essentially, assume you are and start the process of sanctification and watch God just beautify your life as you submit to that process. Yes, I love yeah, that. Yeah. And that so. to me is so in line with everything about Ramp DNA is yeah. this pursuit for more. We want to more accurately represent God's heart. We want to more accurately reveal his kingdom. And, and we, can, we can totally understand that trek of growth. You know, even a few weeks ago, I was saying there's more room for us to love. Like you love now, love more. You feel unity? Let's press in for more unity. Let's press in for more harmony. And um, I think it is a commitment to really be open to there is more. There's more growth. There's more learning. There's more loving. There's more forgiving. There's more searching our own hearts. You know, there's a tendency we have, and you guys just alluded to the tendency we have to make things other people's problems. And um, I get it because I hate owning my own mistakes. You know, I I hate finding out that even in my best intentions, maybe I haven't done the right thing or maybe I haven't said the right thing. And then on an even deeper level, I hate to find out I didn't have the best intentions. Um, But I I feel like another way we we often, especially especially in Britain, we, we, we may point the finger is we go, well, isn't that an American problem? You know, isn't that something, I mean, all of these events that we're talking about right now, we, of course, we can't say historically they've all been there, but all the events that are on the news right now are 4,000 miles away. Why are we talking about this in Britain? Is there really a race issue in Britain or is this just an American thing? And how would you respond to that? Yeah, yes, uh, it's, it's the simple answer. There is a race uh, issue uh, in, in, in Britain. Um, I mean, at, at risk of getting lost in, in the weeds about 
um, statistics and numbers um, and the over-representation over of, of black people in the prison system and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, the, the, what I would say about the British culture here, and I think most, most Brits would agree with me, is, you know, we, we just shut the door more. You know, th things are swept under the carpet more. It's more covert here. In many ways, it's even more dangerous because it's, it's, it's more uh, interwoven into the fabric of, 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 of a country that historically travel around the world. Um, telling other countries here's how they ought to do things, um, inviting other countries here uh, uh, to come and work and then denying them of the rights of citizenship and things of that nature. We saw that with the Windrush uh, generation. So, so if, if anything, it's, it's more pernicious here because it's harder to identify. We know you, you can't solve things if you can't spot things and name them. And in many ways, people here go, well, it doesn't exist. And for that reason, the, the process of healing can't even begin. Because first, folks haven't put some uh, things on the table. Whatever you don't put on the table, it's hard for God to deal with, right? Yeah, so, you, so you first have to start by saying, "Here's here's the problem we have." And so, so, so in the UK, it's it's, it's almost a double-edged fight, you know, or, or, or multi-level fight. One is waking people up, okay. and then the second thing is going, "Well, let's now work at solving the, this problem." So it does exist in the UK. Anywhere where you have different races, there's a possibility for racism. And, and as you said, I think Stacey brilliantly said it, you know, even if, we, even if it were the case that uh, the UK had this wonderful racial harmony, well, let's pursue, let's get more. <laughs> yeah. Let's push for more. Because yeah, chances yeah. are some people are displaced you know, and, and not everyone gets to feel the racial harmony we, we feel in our church or we feel in that church. So ultimately, this isn't a case of, like I said, it's not a case of you've been diagnosed with something, let's get rid of it. Yeah. No, this is how do, you, how do we look more and more like Jesus? That's so the point good. about it. So those who are oppressed and those who are oppressing, how do we look more like Jesus? Wow. You know, the, the, even folks who are wronged, I, I think we look like Jesus. You know, I, I think the greatest test for, for, for when we look like Jesus is, is when we are in the right, what we do when we're actually in the right. Mm -hmm. When we have the right to say the stuff we're saying, what do we say? When someone's, at our, when someone's really at our mercy, how, how we act and how we behave. So, so, so for those who are black who are listening, equally there's a call to look like Christ as well. Uh, there's been much online about, well, if you're angry, it's legitimate and be angry. Well, not quiet. Anger is okay, okay. but anger has to mature. It can't just stay as anger. It's got to turn into something else. Folks go, Jesus was angry. Well, he didn't stay angry. I mean, thank God he didn't just turn tables over and sit down and soak. No, you know, he then walked around and, and he performed miracles and he healed and he taught and he did other things. Ultimately, he was murdered by a system, but that, that, that murder led to our justification. What, so what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for our good. So equally, the, the persecution black people have felt, we have to turn that into something. We can't just stay angry and bitter. We have to organize. We have to teach. We have to educate. And yes, yes, it's tiring to continuously educate, but we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to do that. So, so you know, I, I don't want it to it's a sound like this is a season for white people just to listen and for black people to be angry. So no, we're capable of more than just one single emotion in each place. Listen, become an ally, help out, tear down systems, be angry, but teach, build frameworks. I mean, we've just got to make it a bit more elastic. I think it's very static right now. Anger, and I feel sorry for myself. No, there's, there's more to it than that. And, and I think you know, you, you, you've opened the door in that already. It's, that's beautiful. It's incredible. How do you feel like along those lines, how do you feel like we're uniquely equipped in the church to do this in a way that, that maybe the world isn't equipped to do? Does, does that make sense? And even that, even that whole conversation of elasticity and, and, and movement there uh, makes me think of the grace of God, you know, and, and the inworking of the Holy Spirit. 
What do you think, what part do you think the gospel has to play in this? Well, the, the gospel is the good news. Uh, and, and I think people often think, well, that's about salvation. It's this esoteric thing. You know, Jesus came to die and by dying, uh, you know, we, we get access to God. That is true. But, you know, if, if that was just it and it meant nothing materially, that, that would be a problem. Because I would say, well, how, how does a loving God leave us on this earth powerless and at the behest of all these structural forces? Well, John 14 lets us know that's not the case. Uh, 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 the gift of Jesus as he goes is the Holy Spirit. And one of the most powerful portions of scripture I think I read in my life is John 14, uh, 23. It, it's where a statement is said that, that I use my little brother as an example of, of why, why uh, as Christians, we have a slightly different approach to here. Uh, in, in John 14, the promise of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit will come and that he will make his home with us. And I always go, well, what does that mean? And people often, you know, there's lots of uh, commentaries. Uh, Matthew Henry is a, is a great one. All trying to figure out what this, what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to make his home with us? Well, I have a younger brother. He, he's 19 now. And oftentimes, you know, uh, he, he, he used to play football on Saturdays. And, you know, uh, and I was in charge of looking after the house and making sure everything was cleaned. Of course, I took it way too seriously. But um, that was my job. And he would say, Mike, I've got to go to football. And I go, hold on, have you cleaned the house? Have you, have you hoovered the stairs? That was all, all he had to do, of course. When I was young, I had to do everything. I was like, you know, whatever. But, but, but that, that was his job. And I would say, well, well Sam, have you done the stairs? He would go, yeah, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I would go, are you sure? He'd be like, yeah, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And he probably thought he was done. Then I would be like, oh, let's go check it out then. So I, I, I get up and I walk down with Same him. <laughs> I, I walk down with him and I go, well, what about under that plant there? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I go, well, what, what about, you know, that little statue that we lift up? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then rather than go back to my room and go, now clean it, I then stay with him and I start to make the home with him. Wow. Start cleaning it with him. Okay. And I start explaining to him why you ought to be a bit more careful, more attentive. What I'm doing there is I am making my home with him. And many times as Christians, we get to a stage where we, we think we're okay. I'm not racist or not forgiven. I'm, I'm done. And what the Holy Spirit does is he just alerts of us, our, uh, alerts our, us of our blind spots. He goes, what about under there, Mike? And you go, oh, I never knew that was there. And rather than leave us and condemn us, he then helps us. He teaches us. He leads us. So we've got this, we've got this power inside of us that, 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 that's never finished. And so none of us are ever the finished article. We're always moving, always moving. That's why sanctification is so brilliant and so beautiful. So, so for me, that's really the secret here is that whilst folks are marching and, they, and they're justified marching and they're angry, while folks are at home lamenting and feeling really sad, you know, we also have the Holy Spirit. The, 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 when the disciples sat down thinking it's all over, Jesus is gone, he awoken them and said, the work's not done yet. There's stuff still to do. Get up, start organizing, start building, start teaching, start preaching. And then we see an explosion of the gospel. It, it, it spreads into different, uh, 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 different uh, um, parts of the world in, in such a short space of time because the Holy Spirit, it isn't just you know, there to make you feel good. When, uh, sorry, make you feel good when, when you're feeling sad. No, it's yeah. to energize and empower you. That's what, that, that's what grace means. So for me, that's the gospel dimension here, is that, is that our anger matures, our self-pity matures. It, it goes past that and it becomes something far more powerful. Incredible, incredible. That is powerful, that is powerful. You know, I think I just want to speak just one quick thing to, to my, my white brothers and sisters like myself who are maybe first, you know, for the first time ever thinking about race. And, and, and you're watching the news and feeling a load of different, a load of different things. I mean, even three weeks ago, it's, it's so easy to feel completely overwhelmed. And 
I want to just encourage us, let's, let's be sure that we are really praying and engaging in the spirit. Very good. Instead of just using that as an excuse, just using that as lip service um, to say, you know, that, well, we're, we're, we don't have to do anything. We've got to sit silent. We need to engage in the spirit. But I love even all the stuff that Mike is saying, committing to growth, committing to sanctification in our own hearts, to the journey that God has each of us on. And one, one passage that I have been really feeling for Ramp Church that has been hitting my heart. There is nothing coming out of my mouth that hasn't been hitting Joe and I personally. Am I right, true, Joe? Very, very true. So we, very true. we feel, you know, we feel that... We're on our own journey. Right, and, and right. this is a massive journey for us. And yes. I feel the grace of God and I feel compelled by the heart of God um, that if, if we were to sit silently, I would feel like I'm grieving the Holy Spirit about yeah. this. I feel that convicted about it. And, and then to, for something to be impacting us so much yeah. and us not to bring our church community, that would be poor leadership. It's something that we're learning. I mean, we, you and I yes. are growing in this. And we've yes. even advanced over the past three weeks, four yes. weeks. We've, yes. God's, God's doing stuff in our heart and in our mind yeah. and our life. So one of the verses that's been, you know, impacting me uh, the past few weeks is Matthew 7, where Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's basically giving his, this is the kingdom, this is what it means to be in the kingdom of God. He's like, the kingdom is here, repent. Well, this is what you're turning to. And he says in Matthew 7, um, starting in verse 1, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friends, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck that is in your friend's eye. And I feel like wow. there is such a temptation in our, our carnal old nature to just sit back and point out everything that's not perfect about every, everybody else, to excuse yeah. Yeah. our own apathy, our own indifference, our own coldness of heart, our own lack of feeling at the other people who are suffering and say, oh, well, they have that, you know, it's almost like in a marriage conflict, if I can just paint a very poor yet perhaps helpful analogy. You know, if Joe and I have a, an issue in our relationship, which is always your fault, right? <laughs> and, and he comes and he approaches Naturally. me about a way that he's been hurting about. And let's just say it's something like really big. I don't know. I'm, I'm, my brain is, but think of something that's actually legitimate. Legitimately could divide us, could, could be severe enough to break our marriage apart. And I just say, well, you know, before you come to me, I want you to just work on your tone and your attitude. <laughs> and um, let's point out, you know, the fact that you, you didn't take the trash out. And these little tiny issues missing the huge issue. And this is what Jesus, Jesus says, how can you think of saying to your friend, how, how can you think of it? Let me help you get rid of that speck. Wow. Instead of owning the log of injustice, the log that, that you are, that, that is before us and that needs to be addressed in prayer, in fasting, with good deeds, with change of heart, with change of action, with change of conversation. You know, we, we um, what I would hate Ramp Church 
is for us to get on, uh, get through this further down the road. And, and Jesus to be saying of us, oh, Ramp Church, why did you argue about this speck in other people's eyes when there was a log I was trying to get out? I was trying to, I wanted to use you to not just sit there, but to help deconstruct and bring a better representation of my kingdom in my heart. And I think it's so important for all of us, no matter what the conflict, no matter what the potential issue that's causing division, no matter what the sin is that's brought to light, that we be able to humbly accept correction, like be open to the fact that we could be in the wrong. And I think one of the things that has grieved me about my own heart at the beginning of this, um, and that grieves me about just some of the, the responses is that natural, the defenses just go up, the defensiveness, the, the shutting down the possibility, not even discussing the possibility that, wait, we could be, we could be partakers. We could be, you know, helping injustice. Um, I want us always to be such a humble people that the idea of us being wrong isn't surprising to us. Yeah. Very good. It's very good. Can we, can we just own our humanity? Can we be a humble people that when we're confronted and when we're corrected by brothers and sisters, by other people, by our father, that it doesn't throw us into a tantrum, that we are, that we are able to own the fact that we are still growing in sanctification. And you know what? That's right. Like, okay, this is possible. Yeah, very good. It's incredible. Incredible. I would love to know, um, as we're kind of closing here in the next few minutes, what's, what's giving you hope in this season? You know, what, uh, what are you seeing that, that makes you, makes you go, okay, there's a bit of the answer. Here's a bit, you know, uh, it's been a dark night. It's been four centuries of a dark night, but here's, here's a bit of the sunrise. I can see some glow on the horizon. What are, what are some things? Yeah. Well, that, that's brilliant. Again, again, just so, so much wisdom shared that, that, that I help people take uh, in because I think it will change um, a lot for a lot of different people. Um, I was m- messaged by a younger brother of mine, quite young, and you know, he, he messaged me a very, you know, a very simple message. He said, is it, Mike, uh, do you think things will actually change? And I thought, you know, I, re- I was reading it in bed and I thought, yeah, like here, here is something to really think about. You know, I, again, I hate to say it, but it's not as though like this isn't a new issue for myself, right? We've been talking about racism forever and marches and Black History Month and campaigns. And, and when you're so involved in the fight, sometimes you, you don't take time out to almost do what you said and take stock and go, What's actually happening? You know, let's take a you know six-year journey. Let's look at the arc. What's happening? And that question he asked me helped me think that I thought, will things actually change this time? And the truth is, after lots of thinking, I don't know. Isn't that something? I don't. Yeah, I answer. don't know. I don't know. But but if if this is causing us to organize, yeah. uh, to pray more, to anticipate. I, th- I think one of the heights of maturity uh, is becoming watchmen. Um, you know, in old, in, in old uh, agra- agrarian societies, you had communities in the middle and then you had watchtowers on the outside. And 
Some folks would devote themselves to being watchmen. They would stand on the towers and they would watch anticipating an enemy. They would watch anticipating a problem and, and, and they would act accordingly because other people's lives were at risk if they didn't do their job properly. Um, and I think when, when we first get saved and we're, and we're first believers, we're kind of at the behest of world events. You know, something's on the news, you're like, oh no, no way. And, and, you know, and we're just tossed to and fro by what's happening. But what I'm seeing happening now and what's given me so much hope is I'm seeing more believers, especially the ones I'm around, graduating from that, sitting down and waiting for things to happen, going, hmm, what's going to happen next? Uh, into becoming watchmen, prayerfully trying to discern what's going on, what's God really doing here, not being tossed to and fro by you know, whatever's on the news cycle. I mean, I mean, how silly is it that Christians would look at the news cycle to dictate how, what they do? No, 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 we, we should be praying, fasting, watching, waiting, trying to see, uh, that looks like an enemy. I'm not sure, but let's just pray anyways. Or, or this looks odd. I'm not sure, Let, let's do something about it. I'm seeing my younger Christian brothers and sisters waking up and saying, you know, you know, it's, this can't just be a moment. This has to be part of a trajectory. And as such, it has to lead to something far greater than just being sad, right? So, so I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing graduation from people. I'm seeing a maturity. I'm seeing way more prayer, way more fasting. And you know, whether the world actually ends up better or worse, the fact that we're having that a priori is a good thing. And so that's what I'm rejoicing in because I don't want my heart to be attached to whether you know, the, the prison population goes down or not. I don't know when, how long that will take, yeah. but, but whilst I'm waiting for that, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna watch and, and, and see and act as a watchman. I'm gonna be very careful. I mean, I mean I'm reminded of Nehemiah, thinking about uh, the, my exposed places, mm. places where I know the enemy can attack. Yeah. You know, there, there's some things I think uh, that, that if, uh, if God could broadcast my mind, you wouldn't be very happy to, to yeah. see that, right? And I think we all have those things we think and, and, and just watching for those exposed places, committing as we said to sanctification. I've been seeing more of that and that's genuinely filled me with joy. But you know, what ultimately makes me rest and sleep comfortably at night is knowing that God will wake me up on the other side of the night if he if he sees it fit but also he's in control he's in absolute control he knows exactly what's happening and as much as I care about justice God cares far more because it's, it's, it's in his very nature so, so I can rest on him to, to be just to be a to be an arbiter to be someone who's in control put it this way I would rather he be the referee than some official or, yeah. or, 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 or leader out there. God's in charge and, and that makes me feel calm. Oh, that's so good. I think we need to pray into that. Yes, I wanna read just a passage that I've been praying as well. This is in Psalm 146, just right off of what he was saying. Um, this is praise the Lord, praise the Lord on my soul. As long as I live, I'm gonna praise. And then in 146 verse three, it says, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He keeps every promise forever. Amazing. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. And to me, 
that verse brought hope to me. Come on. And I thought, no, we do have hope because it does seem so dark. Yeah. And it, it can feel feel hopeless, but feelings lie to us. Feelings, they, they don't dictate what we believe. So our confidence is in the Lord who keeps every promise, who yeah. just like you said, he's more passionate. He's more grieved. He's more hurt. He, he has desire for justice beyond what any of us can comprehend. Yeah. His desire for justice. If you were to take every human being's desire for justice and combine it all in one person, God would still exceed that. His desire for justice would exceed that. Every desire for justice comes from him, is evidence that there is a God of justice. And that is where we put our hope and where we learn to grow in, to be able to express that and understand that and represent that to Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So there is hope. And one other thing I just wanted to just encourage um, all of you Ramp Church is, We carry you in our hearts and prayers, but even more than that, you have the Holy Spirit interceding for you. Mm -hmm. You know what's amazing is is sometimes I think about this when I feel maybe weak or overwhelmed. I think, well, the Holy Spirit prays. He says in Romans 8 that he prays through us, Mm -hmm. through human lips with groanings and utterings. And he can have somebody on the other side of the planet praying for you in your hour of need. They're praying for you and they're, and I can remember as a child being consumed with like just baptisms of the Holy Spirit. I would be praying for people by name and other nations that I didn't know. And you are covered in prayer by the Holy Spirit. And then you have Jesus interceding. You have a huge crowd of witnesses up in heaven saying, you can do this. This is going to be worth it. You keep your heart pure. It's going to be worth it on the other side. All of heaven is for you and we are for you too. Yeah, so. brilliant. Mike, would you, would you pray over Ramp Church and all of those watching and people, there are people today that are struggling. They're, they're searching for hope. They're searching for that glow on the horizon. Um, there are some people that are, they, they maybe feel that shaking, that shaking, that awakening for the first time. Their eyes are seeing an issue, maybe even in themselves that they've never seen before. And then there are some people that are ready to take action. And so they're like, okay, for the first time, I'm ready to put some skin in the game. And so would you just cover all of, you know, all of those, those people in those different places and, and hope is what unifies us in this season, the, the hope of a, uh, of a desired future. Yeah. So would you pray over us as we Let's close? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you because you're good. Yes. Thank you because you're kind, God. Stacy said all these things that we want, that we desire, justice, love, mercy, God, you are all that and then some. Yeah. Thank you, because in Deuteronomy, we learn that you're the God of justice, God. And we come to you, and and truly, we don't know what to do. Uh, We've researched, we've read books, we've been angry, but but we don't really know what to do. So, God, we just lay down posture before you. We say, God, teach us. Those who think nothing's wrong, this is just another moment. It will pass on. It's not that important. God, teach them. Awaken them, Father Lord. Set their hearts alight with your fire, God. And for those who are angry, Father Lord, who, who, who can't even uh, say the right words because uh, their words get stuck when they think about injustice and, what, and what's happened, Father. You said those who are weak and heavy laden should come to you, that you would give them rest, God. 
Father, we pray that, that, I mean, we've got an almighty task here. All these different emotions, feelings, thoughts. We don't quite know what to, what to do with them, but we know, God, that you can take every single thing like a thread and you, you can weave it together into this elaborate tapestry that displays your justice, your love, your glory, all at the same time. So, God, teach us, lead us, guide us, God. We trust in you, God. As we've read, every other thing will fail. It's passing away. Sometimes it will look like we're winning and we'll go back again. And, and, and we can't, we can't get, put our hearts in these things. We can't set our eyes in these things. We have to set it on something higher, and that's you, God. So as we press into you, God, as we lean into you, as we rest in you, as we abide in you, Father, abide in us. Empower us, God. We're not powerless. We can do things. We can alleviate suffering. So God, empower us to believe that. Empower us to act that out in our lives, God. All in all, all our actions, we want to glorify you. We want it to end with your glory. And we want this moment we're going through and every subsequent moment to fatten and bolster our joy in you. So God, as we pursue more joy, may we find it in you. Multiply our joy, God. Glorify yourself through this moment, through every member of Ranch Church, all their individual actions, whether it's of repentance, whether it's of prayer, whether it's of forgiveness, Father Lord, glorify yourself in them. At the end of the day, Father Lord, may you have ultimate glory and may our joy be that much better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Thank you for being with us, Mike. Incredible, incredible. And Ramp Church, I I know you've enjoyed uh, the past half hour or so together. Um, I want to encourage you to do a couple things just in 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 follow up. Stay connected to community. Relationship is essential in this season. If you're new to our community and you want to get connected, you want to find out more. You'll find a link right there, either um, in the comments section or, or the caption of the video you're watching or from our website, ramp.church. And you can click on the button that says new here, um, and we would love, our team would love to connect with you. also want to encourage you just to find out more about Mike, Mike Amini, the Common Sense Network, OGGM, just Google any of those, and uh, you're going to find more about his work and what he's doing. would love for you to, to connect with him and, and and uh, see what God's doing through his life. Um, but then the, this series, I just was reminded as we were finishing there, we're in the middle of a series called Peace. And the subtitle of that's Finding God in the Midst of Chaos. And if there's ever been a fitting subtitle for a season, that is it. And I just want to challenge you, encourage you, just go, go back and watch some of these messages. We've talked yeah. about enemies that steal our peace. We've talked about ways to find peace, ways to find God in this season. And go back and revisit some of those. Maybe watch them for the first time. And, uh, and I think it's really going to be impacting in your life. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week at Ram Church.